Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. Well, we welcome all of our listeners today, and the month of June, we always try to do a theme for a month on our Friday podcast, and this month we're going to do something special. We're just going to walk through one of the New Testament books. There's five Fridays in June, and there happens to be five chapters in the book of James, and so we're going to talk about spending June with James. It's going to be our theme, and what you're going to have is two preachers walking through a chapter together with you and just highlighting some of these things. Can you imagine if it would be possible for you to go to lunch today with a writer, James? And as excited as you would be, he would just be telling you things. And in a lot of ways, that's what we're going to be doing here as we're just walking through what God has written to James to for all of us. Uh, this is often looked upon as the Proverbs of the New Testament. It is very practical. Uh, there's not a lot of heavy thoughts in there. It's more the doing of it that needs to be. But in this first episode, what we want to look at is the spirit of God's disciple and, and to see how these things are brought out. One of the things we're going to try to really build upon as we do this, we really encourage you if you're at a place and you can do this, please don't do this while you're driving. <laughs> but if you are in a place is get your book of James out. And as you listen to us, look right with us at the text. And there'll be some things we'll be pointing out to you that we will think will be helpful for you. But I'm reminded of a story years ago of this guy who, who was going to the barn to plow some of his fields. And on the way to the barn, he opened the gate and it was creaking. He remembered he needed to oil the gate. He went to get the oil can and there was the axe. He forgot to cut the wood. And this project led to this project led to this project. And at the end of the day, his wife asked him how the plowing was done. He never got it done. And sometimes that can be our little journey through the Bible. We we start looking at this, and here's a thought, and we chase that, and we chase that, and, and we look at this, and we forget the big picture. And what is this all about? And so we want to kind of share that with you today and begin here by spending June with James. Yeah, a great messenger used by God. And you you highlighted a moment ago, Roger, how incredible it would be just to sit down over lunch, especially when we remember who this man was. I mean, he's introduced James chapter 1, verse 1, by name, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is incredibly powerful evidence that points us to the fact he and his brother, Jude, that we could also go back and read a little letter almost at the very end of the Bible. James and Jude didn't always describe themselves as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were well-known in their hometown of Nazareth. We can go back and we can read in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus had finished some parables. He came to his hometown. He taught in the synagogue and, and there were people who were astonished. They, they want to know where did this Jesus get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son is not his Mary called or his mother called Mary, and are not his brothers 
James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. These these men were well known in their hometown of Nazareth. Their dad was a carpenter. Their mom's name was Mary. In fact, they were half brothers of Jesus. But for a good long time, they didn't believe he was who he claimed to be. And yet now, years later, we're reading the words of a man whose life has been absolutely changed by Jesus and the good news that revolves around him. And not not to get this confused, this is not the Apostle James. The Apostle James was killed in Acts chapter 12, and so this is another James. uh, Grew up with Jesus, would have seen Jesus in a lot of different ways. But he writes this letter through inspiration. Uh, The end of verse 1 tells us it's written to the 12 tribes or dispersed abroad. Those have been Jewish Christians. Uh, They came from a Jewish background, but they were now disciples of Jesus. And they're not in one location, like Paul writing to Corinth or to Ephesus. These folks are spread out, but they have some common things just as we do today. They, they face some common issues, and that's what makes this letter so good. The first chapter, in many ways, is a uh, prologue to the rest of the book. He's, he's going to talk in this, in this first chapter about prayer. He's going to talk about the tongue. He's going to talk about faith. And later on, as, as we go chapter by chapter each week, you're going to find out he returns to those early subjects and he expands upon them. So it's like in chapter one, he's just kind of, here's what I'm going to talk to you about. And then he does. And that kind of helps us to kind of set the direction where this book is going. All right. So, Roger, you said you, you framed this fir- first episode as the the spirit of God's disciple. That gets us right into verse 2 where he tells brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to count it all joy even when we are experiencing trials of various kinds. Absolutely. And then the very next verse, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and then let endurance have its perfect result. Verse 4 says, so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. He's letting these, he's letting these uh, Christians who are spread out over this large area, let them know that, yeah, you're going to be tried. You're going to be tested. But 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 don't think God has left you on this. Don't think this is a punishment by God. Consider it joy, number one, because out of that you're going to have a better character. You know, I, I get the image of the old-fashioned blacksmith who would stick a piece of iron in that hot, red-hot fire and pull it out, stick it on his anvil, and he'd just hammer and hammer and hammer, and he'd shape that iron into what he wanted. And he'd stick in that barrel of water, and all the steam would sizzle up, but he'd go back and forth doing that till he got it to the shape it wanted to be. Now, after that iron had cooled, and you could touch it with your bare hands, you could beat it with a hammer all day long, and it's not bending. It took the fires of trials to make it to be able that way. Sometimes that's what we need in our lives. We need to realize that there's testing and there are trials, but out of that comes a better you, a better me as we walk with Jesus. All right, so joy is to be the the real air that we breathe as disciples. Our spirits are to be characterized by joy because we believe that even in challenging times, God is good, God is with us. If we pivot to the next couple of verses, 
God hears our prayers. Absolutely. And so so he, he immediately transitions to talk about the subject of faith and prayer. And and that the two are coupled together because of faith you pray. And so he says in verse five, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought to ex- not to expect anything that he will receive from the Lord. And so, so you know, here, here again, as we're going through trials, first of all, our spirit's going to be joyous. And then our motive is going to be prayer. We're going to be praying to God. We're going to need strength. We're going to need help. We're going to need wisdom during those testing moments of our life. And how important faith is as we kind of go through those those issues. So here recently on Sunday mornings, you talked about identity and treating God as the definer and the designer of our identity. Here's the connection to us even today through the lens of James, right? Later on in the heart of the book, he'll talk about how different the wisdom of the world is from the wisdom that is above. We need that wisdom that is above. And it's at times going to cause us to be swimming upstream. It's, it's going to lead us to be different and to think different, to prioritize differently from the world. The next few verses in James chapter one talks about, for instance, boasting in not the exaltation of the world, but boasting because we know God. We've humbled ourselves beneath God's mighty hand. And the rich might be very boastful in the things of this world, but the stuff of riches, the uh, the perks of riches, they're like a flower of the grass that passes away. Here we are in June and so many of those beautiful, colorful flowers of spring have already faded away, right? And so James is pointing us to, listen, the wisdom, the stuff of this world may appear to be very, very stable. That may appear to be the good life for a little while, but it's not going to last. Absolutely. And so then as we as we work our way down to verse 12, we return to that word trial again. That's how we started in verse 2. Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now, verse 12, blessed is that man. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So again, he, he's kind of framing this at the very beginning and in the midsection here about going through some difficult times. Uh, becoming a Christian didn't didn't mean that you always had an umbrella above your head. Everything bounced off you. There were some tough, tough times. We see that later on in the New Testament, in the book of Peter and, and other places about the fiery trials those people would go through. Now, from joy, we turn to the spirit of blessing. This man is considered blessed by God because he's persevered. He hasn't caved in. He hasn't surrendered. He hasn't compromised. He's withstood these things. And awaiting him is a wonderful, wonderful crown of life that will be with the Lord forever. Yeah, that paragraph really highlights the difference between the testing of our faith and 
temptations, right? The testing of our faith can actually draw us closer to God. James is developing in James chapter 1. But there is a very different source and a completely different goal behind temptation. That's why I think he says in verse 16, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. When it comes to the will, the, the the showering of God on our lives. What does God want? Verse 17, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Remember, we're, we're anchoring ourselves to the wisdom that is above. It comes down, these good and perfect gifts from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. You contrast that with the riches, the prestige of this world that fades like a flower. Here's the father of lights who does not change. He brought us forth of his own will that we would be his creatures, the best, the clearest representation of his will in the world. That's where James now pivots to the importance of knowing things, right? In verse 19. Absolutely. And so that that idea of knowing things and knowing where the Lord wants us to be helps us through those temptations. Yeah. Uh, that, that's why he would say in verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. God does not tempt us by evil. And so, you know, sometimes people ask the question, what's the difference between a trial and a temptation? A trial is a test of what's there, a test of our faith. It's a matter of will we obey God. Temptation is is given to us by the devil, and it's a matter of doing what's wrong. Uh, The the tempter wants us to do wrong. The trial wants us to do what's right. And and so they're really going two different directions here. And, And the disciple Jesus faces both of them. Now, in the minute of that, you know, we, it, it may be hard for us to decide, is this a trial? Is this a temptation? We may be kind of, you know, f- you know, kind of fuzzy about those things. But the conclusion is, I need to do what God wants me to do. And, and I need to understand that God wants me to follow him completely through this. So he, so then he would, he would tell us, if we're not tempted by God, verse 14, where does temptations come from? They come from within ourselves, by our own lust. When lust is conceived, verse 15, it gives birth to sin. When sin is conceived or accomplished, it brings forth death. And so, uh, the end result of a trial is leading us closer to God. The result of temptation is taking us away from God and killing us spiritually. And so he's, he's reminding us of these things that they face. That's why verse 16 tells us don't be deceived. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't be listening to the world. Don't be caught up in the lies of the world. It's no big deal. You can only do this one time and on and on. We hear those messages. But it's a serious thing that can lead to spiritual death if we're not doing what God wants us to do. Roger, you began this discussion by drawing our attention to the big picture. I think verse 20 really in many ways gives us the big picture. Our reason for being. You've talked a lot to us recently on Sundays about being created with a purpose, for a purpose. James chapter 1 verse 20 tells us we have been created 
to produce the righteousness of God. You know, you we have framed this chapter one discussion as the spirit of God's disciple. That's the inside, right? And so if I know what is right, if I receive the right word, if I build my life on the right wisdom that's from above, what's going to happen? I'm going to be like a fruitful tree in summertime that produces the righteousness of God. And, and so the beginning of verse 20 tells us that anger is not the road to go on. Anger is not going to get you there. But the righteousness of God comes about as he as he just follows the next three or four phrases here. Yeah. He's going to tell us, put away all filthiness, verse 21, all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. How do I achieve the righteousness of God? By receiving the word of God, by by understanding that the Bible is speaking to me, I need to do these things. That leads naturally to verse 22, where it says, prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. What a powerful, powerful statement that is today. We hear a sermon on Sunday. We sit through a Bible class. We read something on, on uh, the Internet, some, some religious article. We see it's connected to the Bible. We read the Bible, but it doesn't change us. That person, again, is deluded or deceived. As you go all the way back up to verse 16, don't be deceived. It's more than reading the Bible. It's getting that Bible with my shoes on it and doing what it says. And that's the key uh, as we look at this. Yeah, a couple of days ago on our This Week at Charlestown Road episode, we talked about the unmistakable connection between Sunday morning and, let's say, Friday night. Well, that's how chapter 1 of James ends, right? If anyone thinks he is religious, I, I was in church on Sunday, but on Monday I don't bridle my tongue. Tuesday, I'm I'm deceiving my heart by listening to all the wrong sources, living from all the wrong wisdom, then really what I did on Sunday and whatever I claim to be in the name of religion, listen, James says that's worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. It's not just hearing, it's doing. Absolutely. You know, that, that phrase in verse 26, bridle his tongue. I mean, our, our thoughts take us to someone riding a horse. And if you're sitting on a horse and you're going for a ride, but you don't have any bridle, you're not holding on to it, that horse is going to take you where he wants to go. But if you have a bridle, you can stop him. You can turn left. You can turn right. You're controlling the horse. So a man who does not control his tongue, he's simply out of control. And his religion is worthless. And so, so what James is showing us here, he, in this very first chapter, he's just start peeling off the layers here. This is what a disciple of Jesus looks like. He's someone's got the word of God in him. And because of that, it's, it's changing the way he looks at life. And he's going to be engaged in helping other people, verse 27. He's controlling his tongue in verse 26. He is someone who's seeking the righteousness of God. And, and all these steps we've looked, we looked at all kind of build around this concept of someone who's living the word as God wants him to. His spirit, his heart, his attitude reflects that of God. Spending June with James. 
If you haven't already read chapter one, obviously we've talked all the way around it. I know of no better way to launch into the weekend than just spending a little bit of time in this powerful first chapter of such a practical book. And Lord willing, we'll be back next Friday. No mystery where we're going to be. James chapter two, you would be well served. I believe even by before hitting play on that episode, going back, reading James two and then Roger, we'll talk through it together. But I appreciate you joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope our discussion has helped you set your mind on things above, given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.